0: Are you ready to talk about the motion picture
1: shows?
0: I don't know. I'd probably have to say yeah on that one, question mark. Three hours? For a movie?
1: Welcome to football day.
0: I needed this thing to end quick, fast, and in a hurry. Is it though? Is it a good movie? Yes, I think so. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender and with me as always is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. I'm out of breath for some reason. I don't know why. (laughs) I didn't run. I don't smoke. I'm just a fat, I guess. And it's out of breath. I don't know what's going on. Uh, Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. (laughs) Let me breathe for a minute, Zach. (laughs) oh my goodness oh is that my cute enter i think so
1: <laughs> why are you going to the airport justin Flying somewhere
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so weird i don't know why i'm out of breath it's so strange Ho-
1: hopefully it's not the covid hopefully you're good
0: oh yeah i was literally fine like 30 seconds ago yeah i don't know what's happening
1: Losing i've been it. known to take people's breath away before so i believe it's it okay cue, cue the music <laughs> yeah exactly so get oh. your hands off my pop inhaler. Pop. <laughs> pop, pop. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh. Yeah.
0: Hi, Justin. So good to see you again. Yeah, man. Great to see you. Thanks. Thanks. I'm excited. You know, last week uh, we talked about a poll that we did with uh, how like, how often do people or how do people purchase movies these days? You know, it being uh, physical media or digital and who buys movies anymore. And we actually had like 173 votes to to come up with the answer. Which, um, if you remember, it was 55 still buy physical, 15 do digital, and 29.5 uh, said, Who buys movies anymore? But <laughs> there was another one that I did where it was, What's more likely to give you nightmares, a scary movie <laughs> or your job? 20% said scary movie, and 80% said job. And that was out of 122 votes. So, wow. That's good. I think I voted I mean, for a movie, though. I I would say movie, too. I chose not to vote.
1: I think I voted for movie, but I would like to play devil's advocate and I could see a job because I have had dreams where when I was working at Target or other retailers where you'd have dreams about Black Friday or you'd be catching shoplifters or whatever, and it's just kind of like the lines never end and things get out of control. So in that sense, I woke up and I'm like, man, I did not like what I was dreaming about. But I don't know if it'd be a nightmare. I've, I've been more terrified of scary movies like in my dreams than anything so that's interesting that people don't like their jobs that much
0: <laughs> yeah oh you know what i misspoke i did actually select scary movie i have a little check mark next to it so i must have clicked it <laughs>
1: yeah yeah we all know the exorcist our, our favorite scary movie definitely oh, yeah. made our list <laughs> oh my god on. <laughs> That's Father so Father McNulty or whatever his name is. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Yeah, so not a, bad. Not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> so cool. That was a fun poll. I'm I'm surprised you got so many votes too. I know, I'm excited about that. It's interesting though. I wonder I wonder what movies the scary movie troupe uh would say that gave them the most nightmares. So
0: Yeah, I know. I'm I'm curious about that. I, I kind of thought that it would be uh people's jobs because so many people are just unhappy working these days. Um And we're all just they it's too scary to get a new job. And if you have something, then it's it's like easier to keep, you know, so I don't know. Yeah, it's, I wonder if, heart,
1: if part of that would be from like the fear of losing your job or the fear of money issues or something like that. So I wonder if that's right. kind of compounded and that w- went into their thinking or if it's just literally like my job terrifies me. <laughs> so.
0: Right. And I think, you know, you mentioned like the retail space is pretty rough or maybe your manager is terrible or something to that effect, or maybe your teammates just unhealthy workplace environment. Who knows? But either way, it breaks my heart that people feel that way about their jobs. Yeah, totally. So, and then quick house cleaning uh, last week, I also misspoke. I, I couldn't math and uh, Tracy Chapman's fast car is actually 34 years old. I said 24. Uh, <laughs> but in, in my defense, it was the end of a long week. It was a Friday night. And I had mentally checked out, and I apologize. You
1: got you've got a ticket to anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we can make a deal.
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Let's see. Oh Oh, my goodness! So enough of that. This week we are doing Psycho from 1960, which was directed by Alfred Hitchcock, who you might know from Vertigo, Rear Window, which we actually did on this show, as well as its counterpart, Disturbia. (laughs) <laughs> then uh, North by Northwest and The Birds. Bird. For all you Bambi fans out there. Uh, <laughs> written by Joseph Stefano. Did the screenplay in the novel by Robert Blotch. Is that what it is? Block. Block?
1: Yeah. All right. It's like I Zach even, with an
0: H. <laughs> I didn't even know
1: it was a book yeah it's apparently um and apparently it's a a different type of Norman Bates he's a little more into the metaphysical and supernatural and stuff
0: individual that neck on you. <laughs> <laughs> Smashing pumpkins. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I did know it was a book because her name was Mary Crane in the book and not yeah. Marion and Crane. And they had to change it because there was an actual Mary
1: Crane like in real life or something like that. I think it's I was... Mary
0: Jane and that's code for, for the weed. For the
1: marijuana. <laughs> the devil's lettuce. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, apparently it was a novel. So
0: Got it. Well, great. The cast includes Anthony Perkins, who I I actually offended... Folks, when I said that he was only really known for Psycho, I was wrong about that. I got lists of movies that he's in after I said that, so I apologize. But he was most known to me for Anthony Perkins. So I mean, he's, in,
1: have he's in Psycho two, Psycho three, <laughs> <laughs> he's in Psycho
0: four. My what goodness. else do you want? <laughs> <laughs> just uh. A fine young man, uptown all the way. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Janet Lee, Vera Miles, John Gavin, Martin Balsam, and John McIntyre. And critical reception is is glowing on this one. We haven't had a glowing one in a while. It's uh I'm excited about this. So 96% on the old tomato meter there. So it's at the point now where if you don't like it, you are probably the one with the problem. <laughs> <laughs> And obviously movies are subjective and that's fine and dandy. I'm sure there's a movie that I absolutely hate that everybody loves, but uh, nothing comes to mind. I'm sure. But maybe by the end, interstellar. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. So everyone loves that movie. I can't stand it, but I don't know if it's a 96. No, Uh, that's pretty high. If it's like a seven, you know, once it's like, once it breaks like the sub 90, Mm -hmm. then I think it's, it's okay to not like it. But if it's, that high then it's like maybe you gotta give it another go (laughs) yeah or 10 10 other goes (laughs) oh my goodness so let's look at some of these reviews chris stuckman uh you know you like you like the the stuckman reviews psycho continues to be thrilling to this day and that was on may 31st of 2018 so fast forward several several years what 58 years i guess i don't know i can't math. remember that Uh, Let's see here. Philip K. Schurer says, It's one of Hitchcock's most brilliantly directed shockers and also his most disagreeable. Which I don't know what that means. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. Jack Harrison from The Hollywood Reporter says, Paramount won't let anyone enter theaters where Psycho is playing after the picture starts. No one will want to leave before it's over. Lesson, of course you got to go to the bathroom could be a medical emergency <laughs> it happens so uh i can't find a negative review so we'll go ahead and and just leave it at that uh, if you don't like it that's okay but i would love to hear why you don't like it what what is it about psycho that just makes it suck for you
1: it really inspires the un- <laughs> exceptional <laughs>
0: yeah the budget was a whopping eight hundred six thousand dollars uh gross the United States and Canada at 32 million. So not too shabby. Worldwide it says also 32 million, but you know, we'll take that with a grain of salt. No salt. No salt. <laughs> uh
1: that's it for me, man. Cool. Well, there was a ton of trivia for this movie. So I would highly recommend you check out the IMDB or you can watch uh, Minty Comedic Arts. He has a great top ten. So Director Sir Alfred Hitchcock was so pleased with the score written by Bernard Herrmann that he doubled the composer's salary to $34,501. Hitchcock later said 33% of the
0: effect of Psycho was due to the music. And would you agree with that, Justin? Yeah. With the ying, ying, ying. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what... That's the go-to when you're making a slashing motion.
1: hmm Yeah, exactly.
0: I love it. Like, if I were to stab somebody... I would probably (laughs) make that music.
1: (laughs) 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 When the cast and crew began work on the first day, they had to raise their right hands and promise not to divulge one word of the story. Sir Alfred Hitchcock also withheld the ending part of the script from his cast until he needed to shoot it. It's Pretty cool. Walt Disney refused to allow Sir Alfred Hitchcock to film at Disneyland in the early 1960s because Hitchcock had made, quote, that disgusting movie Psycho. Yeah, you're one to talk,
0: Mr. Walt Disney. Well, yeah. <laughs> Fucking asshole. I think it's <laughs> full of, you know, it's so sexual and violent. And that was a, <laughs> yeah. that was a problem in the big 6-0. It's
1: like sex on ice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chaz Michael Michaels. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. I know, exactly. It
0: melts the ice. It's so hot.
1: There you go. <laughs> Criminals in <not>. the <laughs> Uh The strings only music Bernard Herrmann is ranked number four on AFI's 100 years of film scores. What's number one? Do you know? Uh, That's a good good question. I don't know. We'll check that. You want to check that while I look? AFI's 100 years of film scores. Um, Okay. And then Paramount (laughs) Paramount Pictures gave Sir Alfred Hitchcock a very small budget with which to work because of their distaste with the source material. They also deferred most of the box office take to Hitchcock, thinking the movie would fail. When it became a sleeper hit, Hitchcock made a fortune. And I read he made $15 million. He spent less than a million on this. And with inflation, 15 million in about 1960 is about 131 million now. So he he cleaned up and he got the good majority of it because he spent most of his own money to make the film. So that's pretty awesome. That's that's gambling on yourself right there.
0: That is got to no one to hold them. Got No one to fold them, Zach. <laughs> exactly. So number one is the Star War 1977. John Williams.
1: That's a no brainer. That makes sense. Cool. OK. And then um, to ensure the people were in the theaters at the start of this movie rather than walking in partway through the studio provided a, a record to play in the forever or in the foyer of the theaters. The album featured background music occasionally interrupted by a voice saying 10 minutes to psycho time, five minutes to psycho time and so on. <laughs> Ooh. I. I I added one bonus. That's pretty fun. I like a good uh, movie going experience, so that would be fun. And then finally, Joseph Stefano was adamant about seeing a toilet on screen to display realism. He also wanted to see it flush. Sir Alfred Hitchcock told him he had to make it so uh, through his writing if he wanted to see it. Stefano wrote the scene in which Marion adds up the money, then flushes the paper down the toilet specifically so the toilet flushing was integral to the scene and therefore irremovable. This was the first American movie and possibly first fictional movie ever to show a toilet flushing on screen. And that is very odd. It is.
0: It's in the trailer, too. Uh, So I had this movie on on the DVD and and there's this trailer where Alfred Hitchcock goes to the hotel and Mm -hmm. goes like the bathroom. Yeah, that's where it all happened or something like that.
1: (laughs) yeah i watched the trailer it's about six and a half minutes long So (laughs)
0: long and he's just like
1: giving you a tour of the place (laughs) yeah he's like well and then this picture let's go over here he just keeps taking you to different rooms and it's very interesting but uh eh, whatever so for anyone who has not seen psycho i'm gonna read about a three minute synopsis so if you don't want to listen to this go ahead and jump ahead three minutes and uh hopefully i'll
0: be done spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
1: Spoiler alert: During a Friday afternoon tryst in a Phoenix hotel, real estate secretary Marion Crane and her boyfriend Sam Loomis, Halloween, discuss their inability to get married because and of screamed. Sam's debts. Billy Loomis. No, that's as true. Well. Billy Loomis. There you go. Marion returns to work, steals a cash payment of forty thousand dollars entrusted to her for a deposit, and sets off to drive to Sam's home in Fairvale, California. Marion uh, hurriedly trades her car en route, arousing suspicion from both a car dealer and a California Highway Patrol officer. A chip. Yeah. Marion, st- Marion stops for the night at the Bates Motel, like located off the main highway, and hides the stolen money inside a newspaper. Proprietor Norman Bates descends from a large house overlooking the motel, registers Marion under an assumed name, and invites her to dine with him. After Norman returns to his house, Marion overhears Norman arguing with his mother about Marion's presence. Norman returns with a light meal and apologizes for his mother's outbursts. Norman discusses his hobby as a taxidermist, his mother's illness, and how people have a private trap they want to escape. Marion decides to drive back to Phoenix in the morning and return the stolen money. As Marion showers, a shadowy figure appears and stabs her to death. Soon afterward, Norman cleans up the murder scene, putting Marion's body, belongings, and the hidden cash in her car and sinks it in a swamp. Marion's sister Lila arrives in Fairvale a week later, tells Sam about the theft, and demands to know her whereabouts. He denies knowing nothing about her disappearance. A private investigator named Arbogast approaches them, saying that he has been hired to retrieve the money. Arbogast stops at the Bates Motel and questions Norman, whose nervous behavior and inconsistent answers arouse suspicion. He examines the guest register and discovers from her handwriting that Marion spent the night at the motel. When Arbogast learns the, that Marion had spoken to Norman's mother, Arbogast asks to speak with her but Norman refuses to allow it. Arbogast updates Sam and Lila about his search and promises to phone again in an hour. After he enters the Bates' home to search for Norman's mother, a shadowy figure emerges from the bedroom and stabs him to death. Sam visits the motel where he and Lila do not hear from Arbogast. He sees a figure in the house whom he assumes is Norman's mother. Lila and Sam alert the local sheriff, who tells them that Norman's mother died in a murder-suicide 10 years earlier. The sheriff suggests that Arbogast lied to Sam and Lila so he could persuade Marion and the money or so he could pursue Marion and the money. Sorry. Convinced that something happened to Arbogast, Lila and Sam drive to the motel. Sam distracts Norman in the office while Lila sneaks into the house. Suspicious, Norman becomes agitated and knocks Sam unconscious. As he goes to the house, Lila hides in the fruit cellar where she discovers the mother's mummified body. She screams and Norman, wearing his mother's clothes and wig, enters the cellar and tries to stab her. <laughs> I'm <down> like Batman.
0: <laughs> He's like, ah, good.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Sam appears and subdues him at the police station. A psychiatrist explains that Norman murdered his mother and her lover 10 years earlier out of jealousy. Norman mummified his mother's corpse and began treating it as if she were still alive. He recreated his mother as an alternate personality, as jealous and possessive towards Norman as he felt about his mother. When Norman is attracted to a woman, mother takes over. He had killed two other young women before Marion, and Arbogast was killed to hide his mother's crime. The psychiatrist concludes that Mother has now completely taken over Norman's personality. Norman sits in a jail cell and hears his mother saying that the murders were all his doing while Marion's car is retrieved from the swamp. And that is. My goodness. Doom doon, doon, doon uh hey so justin when did you first see psycho and what did you think um this movie is older obviously 1960 and older movies can sometimes be a tough rewatch how does this movie hold up on repeat viewings for you uh
0: so i saw this movie in 1998 for the first time i was 18 years old (laughs) was it the gus van zandt remix no (laughs) and I, i enjoyed it i thought it was cool i especially like the, the first half is really neat, like especially when when Marion's driving in the car and and having all those conversations playing out in her head and everything. I really like that. That's one of my favorite things about this movie yeah, they do do a really good job with that they do and and my viewing experience has not been hindered by repeat viewings i've I've probably seen the movie maybe five times in my life uh I don't think that is enough to to make me not enjoy it any any less or anything like that. So as it stands, I still enjoy it when I watch it.
1: Yeah, last night was my first real watch through of the film. I've seen and know enough about it, but I was actually really surprised that I had not seen the entire thing. Um, And I really enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, Just being a film fan, I really enjoyed the hell out of it. I did wonder, though, how modern audiences would handle it now. But I ultimately think that Anybody could really like it, especially I mean, anybody who's not living under a rock knows the movie Psycho and you kind of at least know certain things that happen with it. So, um, yeah, I I like it, man. I think it's it, it was it was really cool to watch. So um, <clears throat> so in fiction, the term MacGuffin, uh, it's an object, device or event that is necessary to the plot and the motivation of the characters, but insignificant, unimportant or Ill- irrelevant in itself. The term was originated by Angus McPhail for film and adopted by Alfred Hitchcock and then later extended to a similar device in other works of fiction. The MacGuffin technique is common in films, especially thrillers. Usually the MacGuffin is revealed in the first act and therefore declines in importance. It can reappear at the climax of the story but may actually be forgotten by the end of the story. Multiple MacGuffins are sometimes derisively identified as plot coupons. First off, what do you think the MacGuffin, Justin, what do you think the MacGuffin in Psycho was? And then was the MacGuffin weird for you? And how did it change the story at all?
0: Uh, I'd say the MacGuffin is the money Lebowski <laughs> because <laughs> when she, she knows that Sam is in debt and the money can be their way out, uh, she takes the money and flees town. She skips town see? Over the money, see? And um, and then it ultimately just gets buried with the car. So we never see it again. But that's wh- that's what set the wheels in motion was the money. So but then by whatever, minute forty five or fifty five, whatever that was, when the car goes in the in the pond, then uh, it's no longer relevant.
1: Yeah, and there was a moment there, you know, when Norman is cleaning up the hotel room and he Goes into the car, but he comes right back to the room and he like does a double take, right? Just to make sure everything is okay and he sees the newspaper. But for a second there, you're like, ooh, he's not gonna find the newspaper. Um <clears throat> and then yeah, it just goes into the the swamp with the car. And with them pulling the car up, who knows? Maybe the money's in there, but at that point it's irrelevant. Uh you you, you forget about that because you're so shocked by the murder, right? Um and I think Hitchcock obviously he mastered this in his films, and we've seen it done so many times in, in other movies. Um Reservoir Dogs is a really good example of of a good film with the McGuffin, right? The diamonds or they still yeah, die right? The yeah. heist
0: itself, yeah. I mean yeah. it's it's uh, it's all about this the that's what the heist is what brings them all together, but at the end of the day it doesn't even really matter. <laughs> it's like yeah. these diamonds that are somewhere out there, but they're stashed, so who really cares?
1: yeah yeah it's it's, it's 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 really fascinating um and, you know i think like we just we quoted it to the the big lebowski the rug it's not even about the rug it's like it's <laughs> yeah. kind of
0: it's just really tied the room together yeah
1: that's kind of well, like whatever at a certain point um i would probably say um like well no that's kind of what else? What else? There's some other MacGuffins. The, oh, Pulp Fiction. Tarantino loves the MacGuffins. So the briefcase. Yeah, the,
0: the briefcase for it, sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: Is, is kind of like one. So I think that it's um, it's very fascinating uh, to to see that in film. But it's they've done a really good job with it. And I don't know if it was weird for me with it, but I was thinking about the money the entire time. So it it served its purpose for me because I was it it really drove her paranoia like that's a that's a lot of cheddar cheese for a person to be holding. And especially like when she goes in the bathroom and she pulls out $700 like it's nothing and is in such a hurry. Um, It does add that level of stress and anxiety,
0: right? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, you just see her character change over the course of her journey from Arizona to California. Yeah, pretty nuts. It it really is. Like, whoa, calm down. And uh, one of my favorite things in those old movies is when they're driving and they're just the steering wheel is just kind of going back and forth. Yeah, And the
1: scenery changes in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they they do a really good job in the naked gun movies and making fun of that and like airplane and stuff like that. Just the scenery changes each time. It's so funny. Yeah. So this movie was quite groundbreaking and full of moments that really shocked the viewers. Uh, Do you remember the very first movie that you watched that shocked you or surprised you?
0: Absolutely. It is Robocop. <laughs> See, watching that movie when I was like six. I was just like, holy oh. shit. So I mean that that we'll we'll get into it later with like memorable deaths and stuff, but the beginning with Mr. Kinney and 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 the Ed two and I just laying into oh. him, that was that was a bit much. And then it just keeps goes from like better to bad to worse with the death. So you're just like, holy shit. Yeah, um that 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 shook me to my core as it were.
1: It's like that uh Simpsons meme that's like stop he's already dead.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. That's uh that's when I was shocked. Like uh like in dodgeball. I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Does
1: it hurt? Does it really hurt?
0: <laughs> yeah. That's on my list too, man. Fuck like when Murphy just gets 6000 bullets plugged into his body. That's Not a pretty, a yeah,
1: that's a pretty shocking film, especially at six. I don't know if I could comprehend that movie. I would just be, I, seeing it as an adult, it still grosses me out. Like when the dude gets run over and it just goes all over the windshield and it's mm-hmm. absolutely the disgusting. Meal?
0: Yeah, that's, I, that's gnarly. I hated
1: it. Um, Absolutely hated it. So, I think that's one. Oh, we also did that for... We had Rob
0: as our um, guest for that podcast. Yeah, that, that was, was great. Going. I might have been seven. Let me see when the release date was for that. July Okay, so I was seven, not six. Whoa. You were a man was, at that point. I was 17 <laughs> days into being seven. There you go. Yeah. Yep, I, I almost had hair on my chest. You had, a, not really. you had
1: a job. You were drinking whiskey out the bottle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. But... I snuck in my bottle. There you go. A motion picture show. I needed it.
1: it um, I Capri Sun. I, whenever I watch these older films, especially a Hitchcock film, I really try to put myself in the shoes of a viewer in the 60s or in that time frame. Uh, just to imagine, obviously, there's no nudity in this. And we're talking about a movie that this is the first time a, a toilet is seen in a film. So mm-hmm. this is already pretty groundbreaking. So, it's, it's pretty yeah. close
0: with the nudity, though, because she has there's a clear shower curtain. Mm-hmm. And you can see, I mean, just me being a child, you know, and, and like, oh, look, this naked lady on my TV. <laughs> It's a little bit transparent with the the clear shower curtain there. And Mm -hmm. so you can get an idea of her body through that shower curtain.
1: Yeah. So there was a a body double that they actually used for that for uh, for Janet Lee. So that's true. Yeah, it was very interesting. But I mean, I just try to think of how shocking that scene was, man. And it was it it definitely would be something that I'd be like, I cannot believe they did this. And I can't think of any movies right off the top of my head that that really kind of shock or surprise me, but I do remember like certain moments. Right. So in like Jurassic Park, when you first see the dinosaurs, that's one of those films that you're like, holy shit, you son of a bitch, you actually did it sort of thing. Um, the Matrix, I just remember seeing that and I didn't think movies could do that. Um, yeah, it just pretty much any blockbuster you can think of. Same thing with like Jaws, when you finally see the shark and you're like, holy crap, that's huge. It's a lot bigger than you thought. Um, and I saw Jaws when I was a kid. So again, it terrified me, but um, yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun to be shocked and surprised, and 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 to get those those moments.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, so we talked about uh, we talked about the sequels to Psycho. Have you seen any of the sequels? I mean, there are about four official sequels with a complete shot-for-shot remake of Psycho nineteen in nineteen ninety eight. Um, and if you saw them, what do you think of them?
0: Uh, I've only ever seen Psycho two, and I. <laughs> This is actually kind of a sad memory, but I watched it on TV with my dad. And then I talked about this before. That was later in the night when uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea was on TV. And then I went out into the garage and that's when I saw him drinking out of a paper bag. And I I was a pretty young kid, but I knew what he was doing was wrong. And I realized it was alcohol. It's pretty crazy, but I never talked to him about it. But it was that same day.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. I know, right?
0: Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I I, I got I got better. <laughs> I'm over it. <laughs> but did you like Psycho too? <laughs> um, so interestingly enough, I saw Psycho two before I saw Psycho. Um, <laughs> did but you have any idea what's going on? There? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I had been on the Universal tour when oh, I yeah. was a kid, and you drive past the Psycho house and and Bates Motel, and and as you said, it was a it was a pretty big staple in pop culture, and so even as a child. I knew about uh, Norman Bates and I knew about the killing and I knew that it was like Hershey syrup because it was in black and white. So, yeah, you know, that was easy peasy. So it was all stuff that I knew, but yeah, I watched, I watched uh, psycho two on the TV as as a kid. (laughs) I really enjoy
1: that Universal tour because then, yeah, they always have that guy that plays Norman Bates and the tram guy is like, oh, "Oh, watch out! It's Norman Bates!" And when you sit on the back of the tram, he gets really close to you. And I said, "I was like, whoa, you scared me." <laughs> he, he just kind of laughed. He's like, "Thanks." <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, you scared me." <laughs> he looked like him though, too. He looked like uh, Mr. Tony Perkins there. So um, I've never actually seen any of the sequels, and it's we, you know, what's really funny is we talked about this where whenever we want to do a movie, it's like the little bird is listening. You know, Varys is listening and is like, take that movie off of streaming because as soon as we do this one, this is on Peacock and that's how I watched it um, with ads. But they did at a certain point, like I swear to God, like last week up and you know, six months up until last week had every psycho available as part of their little collection. And I'm really pissed. <laughs> so <laughs> I, um, I wanted to watch number two because I actually read some stuff on it saying that it was actually a, uh, The reception was pretty good on it. So I'll have to probably talk to our buddy Steve and see what he thinks of it. But I yeah, it it ranks pretty high, apparently, with with a lot of the fans and the same thing with the third one, too, surprisingly. So I'm I'm a completionist, so I probably want to watch them all. Um, I have not seen the 98 remake, but that one is really interesting. I watched a comparison video today that just did like a shot for shot comparison. Um, So I kind of watched the whole movie and Tell me why you th- why you didn't like that one, Justin.
0: Well, so I had actually so that the Psycho remake came out in around Christmas of 98. And I had seen the original finally for the first time that summer. So it was all fresh in my mind and I really enjoyed it. It was one of it was like the third DVD I ever owned. And <laughs> um, and when I watched it, you know, what's interesting about the whole remake thing, like I, I like the idea of a retelling of a story, but. I thought it, it seemed kind of weird to do a shot for shot remake minus like I feel like the masturbation scene is obviously new because we didn't have that in the 1960 version. He's looking at her through the hole in the wall, which is fine and dandy, I suppose. But <laughs> you can tell that Vince Vaughn is actually masturbating. And then uh, when Anne Hayes dies and she falls over, there's a much more exposure to her body. Uh, mm-hmm. it, when when Janet Lee falls over, it's just kind of her face and you know the shower curtains kind of over her in a way and so she's more or less covered but uh the shower scene's a little bit more revealing but it just seemed weird and a waste to literally do a shot for shot i I didn't understand why that was the case when we already have that movie if it was a retelling or doing something a little bit different then that would make more sense so for me it was just i've I've already been to the airport (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) so it didn't really work out (laughs) Cars aren't here. <laughs> Cars yeah. are still here. Can't be at the airport. They didn't go to the airport. Um, or if you're a speed fan. At yeah. the airport. I've already seen the airport. I seen the airport.
1: Yeah. I, I think I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. It's it's weird because if you're gonna do a shot for shot remake, then make it exactly the same. Um and Van has done that too with another film, and I cannot remember the name of it, I'll have to look it up. Which was really interesting that he did it that way. But With this one, there were subtle changes like you're absolutely right. It shows more of Anne Heche's butt and then you can see her private parts. And then even when they uh, they have a really tight like choke shot uh, close up of her eye and then it starts to spin as it comes out. That's different than the easy just um, pan out that they had on Janet Lee. And I'm kind of like may I guess it's fine to add a little stylistic choice to it, but if you're doing an exact same film then why why even why try that right yeah I what's what, what's the point you know so if i mean if you're going to get wet just jump entirely into the pool
0: speaking so, of getting wet <clears throat> i still to this day do not understand how the shower doesn't get the fucking camera wet.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> it drives
0: me crazy. I'm like, so, how did they do that in 1960? It's movie magic. See, it's Hollywood. You're Hollywood, not supposed focus, to know. focus, I swear to God. I'm yeah. like, how did they do that? A what? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so what they did is they rigged up the camera and the shower. Uh, let me find it real quick for you. Um, okay, so for a shot looking up into the water stream of the showerhead, Sir Alfred Hitchcock had a six-foot diameter showerhead made up and blocked the central jet so that the water sprayed in a cone past the camera lens without any water spraying directly at it. So it was a six-foot showerhead. I think that's awesome. It was an, an incredible shot. There's something like, I, I kid you not, like 90 cuts uh, in that 45 second sequence of them stabbing Janet Lee. And uh, it just really, really iconic and an amazing scene. So I um Yeah, I was I was a fan of it. But you're, you're right. It's it's weird with a with a remake like 98 Psycho when it's it's kind of like you better do it exactly the same or just
0: don't do it at all. Sort of. Another thing that that's weird with this movie is that she is in the shower when she turns it on. There's no fucking way I'd be in the, in the shower. How hot I or turn... cold that is? <laughs> yeah, especially some dive freaking yeah. motel. There's no, it's gonna be 10 minutes before that water's warm. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. That is, uh, that's something I didn't think about. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a big pass, Elton John. There's no way I'm doing that one.
1: Oh man. Oof. Yeah. Um, So a follow up to that. Can a movie like this have a prequel or a sequel? Or do you think like it's just this movie's perfect as it is and it needs to just stay as it is?
0: So I think at one point I probably would have said it's fine the way it is and we don't need it. But um, the Bates Motel show was a pretty big hit. It had had like four or five seasons, I think. And I was on board at first, but then I just kind of life happened and I kind of forgot about it. But I thought that was kind of cool to see the relationship between the mom and Norman and then just like the weird, you know, oddities that existed in this town and, and, and the whole idea of, of how the, there's a main road and this, that they they basically, basically a a main thoroughfare was built, uh, you know, it's off the highway, right? So it's hard to see this hotel. So it's kind of destined to, to fail in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways. And so, I thought that was kind of interesting to get that that story behind that. I don't think it's needed per se, but <laughs> it was fun to watch. I mean, I don't think anything's ever needed. I like having questions most of the time. I, I like if a movie can can get me to ask questions. I don't want it to I don't want it to just be a jumbled mess to where I have questions I want to be able as, as I'm watching it. I want it to be over and then start asking the questions. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like right now I'm watching Moon Knight on Disney Plus and I have no fucking clue what's happening <laughs> on this show. And and neither does Oscar Isaac. And and he just keeps asking all these questions. The first two episodes especially. I'm like, what <laughs> the fuck is it happening? He and breaks now, the fourth wall. He's like, does anyone know what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, I never read Moon Knight. So it's a whole new journey for me. And I'm just like, do I gotta go? Do I really have to go on a fucking Wikipedia page right now and read what this movie's or this show's about? And Uh, so that's fresh. And you know, Lost. A lot of people had questions with Lost, but what's interesting about that was you would watch the show, and then once it was over, then you would ask your questions. You wouldn't really ask them as it was happening. You just kind of accepted the reality that was put in front of you, right? So, and I think I think Psycho does a pretty good job of that. Uh, You know. We we get to see this, what we believe to be a a weird relationship between a mother and a son for an hour and and like 45 minutes. And then yeah. that comes clear at the very end that it's not so much the case. But for the most part, that's what we are led to believe, that he's just got a crazy mama.
1: Well, and I mean, I agree with you on the whole changing your tune on the... Uh, on a prequel or sequel because we talked about like Breaking Bad is hailed as one of the greatest shows of all time. And when I first when Better Call Saul first came out, I was like, I don't really have a desire for this because this just seems like a cash cow. And boy, was I wrong because it is one of the greatest shows. And I will sit here and argue till the cows come home that it's a better show than uh, Breaking Bad and it's a sequel it's weird. It's a story about the lawyer who is a, a B player in, in, in breaking bad. And it turned out to be amazing. So you're right. Like with Bates motel, who would have known that, that IP they could have explored so much. So yeah, I am. I'm down with that.
0: Mm -hmm. So psycho four is called the beginning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you get to, you get to Norman Bates, in, in the IMDb description, it says Norman Bates recalls his childhood with his abusive mother while fearing his unborn child will inherit his split personality disorder. Yeah. So they've got a beginning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But they need another beginning. (laughs) Yeah. And even more
0: beginning. They need a busta busta. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Trace, busta, busta, busta. Oh, my God. Uh, But yeah, um, I agree. Better Call Saul is like probably one of the greatest shows in the history of television. Hell yeah. So where do
1: you think uh, Alfred Hitchcock ranks in the consortium of film directors for you?
0: Uh, He's pretty high up there. Uh, I think what's interesting, though, about Hitchcock is I've only seen like four or five of his movies. You know, I've I've never really been like a super Hitchcock fan. Uh, it's just one of those things like before my time and accessibility. Uh, I think now it's probably a lot easier to watch his movies. But um, growing up, it wasn't exactly just on TV all the time. You know, I, I saw the birds. I saw Vertigo, Psycho when I was 18 again uh north by northwest marnie i saw in film school um and that's it i think that's i think those are the only ones <laughs> oh rear window if i if i didn't say that one yeah um, of course that is it looking at his looking at his list of motion picture shows you saw the 39 steps though too right uh,
1: did i see the 39 steps i thought oh. you saw the 39 steps
0: maybe i don't remember anymore oh. <laughs> he's saw 38 steps the prequel <laughs> I don't remember seeing 39 steps so oh. if I said I have seen it I, I don't think that's correct no. looking at well, it right now I do not believe I have seen this well it's on HBO Max if you ever want to watch
1: it I, yeah I think he's pretty high up there for me as well uh, I, it's weird because I've had this like resurgence of, of Hitchcock or not resurgence but awakening to Hitchcock where obviously I knew who he was but in the past few years uh, that we've been doing this show I really got into his films and I think he's just a genius some of the stuff that he does and even the trailer like we were just talking about that six minute trailer where it's ridiculous that it's like yeah. he's walking around and you're like this is a horror film but it's he's fascinating he's such a fascinating character right like the Alfred Hitchcock presents stuff where he has the silhouette it's just so iconic so I think he's he's got to be high up there and he invented so many different um, techniques and styles that we've seen in pop culture and and done countless times in film. So I think we have to we have to thank him a lot for that, for some of our favorite horror films and other, uh, you know, iterations of it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. So and then I see Dial M for Murder. Uh, I actually saw a remake of that. I didn't even see the original one. (laughs) So now I feel bad about that. Yeah, that's okay. Changes on a Train. Snakes on a plane. <laughs> and there's a snakes on a train, too, and the, like the snake oh eats God. the train. Like it shows the train going into a giant snake's mouth in the trailer. Uh, I don't like so that. So, you know, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, I got that going for him.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. But, Justin, you and I are on the same wavelength when it comes to situational awareness and uh, how we just kind of deal with everyday life and people around us. Have you ever been concerned with someone who just kind of seemed to give you major creepy vibes? And uh, what happened?
0: Uh, yeah, so twice. One is a story, a story that I shared on like, uh, I think it was on the either the Hills Have Eyes podcast or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre one where I went to a, a gas station and I was convinced I was about to die and I didn't even see anybody. I just heard like a god awful noise in the back and like flies on the cooler <laughs> and just it was like a really gross. I got like your book Mart. <laughs> yeah Mart in quotes, and uh, I, I didn't like it. So that was a GTFO kind of moment. But um, so there was that where I was just fucking scared for my life, and there's all these crows on these on this tree. It was so weird. Oh my god, I will I will never forget it. It was it was like a really gloomy day, <sighs> and it was out in the middle of of California, like um, not quite like Death Valley, but like near Bishop, California. It's on the middle of the desert, and uh, my god, I, we were just running low on gas, the light came on, and it was one of those gas stations where each uh, type of fuel had its own pump, so there was a pump for like you know, 87, and a pump for 89, and a pump for 91 kind of thing, and I remember just thinking, man, this place is weird, and there's all these crows on this dead tree, <laughs> like straight out of like Jungle Book when those vultures are are dangling on that, that dead tree kind of thing, it yeah. was just like that, and holy shit, I was I got such bad vibes. I was like, man, we're going to get fucking murdered out here and no (laughs) one's going to know. And then I go in to see if anyone was around like a real asshole, like, hey, anybody here? And it's like, (laughs) nope, got to go. And uh, my goodness, that was scary. But I remember when we when me, Dave and Randy were working at Autoland, there was this this guy that came in that was on. He was on drugs. I don't know what he was on, but he was all hopped up and he had this pit bull, this aggressive pit bull. And it was really hot and it was summertime, it was August and, and it was so goddamn hot and his dog just needed to get out of the heat. And so we had like a, like a water cooler basically. And so I I was, I was tending to this guy's dog uh, just because I felt bad. Right. And, um, but he was acting really weird and he kept getting closer and closer to the receptionist. And he started just kind of flailing his arms all about. And I had to, I went into another room to talk to somebody about like, man, this is really fucking weird guy inside the showroom <laughs> right now. And then as I'm le- and I just had to talk to somebody about like, Hey, we might have to call the police. I don't know what's going on. But as I come around the corner, um, the the vice president's like, Hey, do you see that psycho out there? I'm like, yeah, yeah. He goes, Can you handle that please? I'm like, why do I got to do it? What do, what do I know? I'm just like this punk, like 24 year old kid. Right. And he's like, just handle it. And then, so I had to tell this guy like, hey man i i know it's really warm out there but i'm gonna have to ask you to, to keep moving and then he like he he had like a pocket knife and he was just kind of opening it and closing it. he didn't like threaten me with it like you know jets and sharks kind of thing or, or the beat it video but he he had a pocket knife and he was just kind of opening it and closing it and so i didn't like that but he he understood and he left but i remember my adrenaline was kind of pumping like man i I don't know if I'm going to die right now or (laughs) to stab me or what, but I remember being really weirded out by it. And this dog's kind of foaming and just not like foaming because it had rabies or anything, but it was just so goddamn hot. So it's, it's tongue was sticking out and drool was just going everywhere. So Mm -hmm. it was just just sort of a a heightened sense of, of, of awareness was happening and I didn't, I didn't like it. it. Stressed me out. Damn. Well, I am sorry, sir. Oh uh, I got, sounds, got better. I, I live. We sounds, can laugh about it now. Sounds like you almost died. <laughs> it was it was pretty intense. I mean, he for all I know, he was harmless, but he was he was out of his head because he was on some sort of substance, you know? So right. it was hard to know how he was going to act. But I remember just being like, fucking leave, guy. <laughs> <laughs> just get out of here. Oh man. And I I was I maybe weighed like 180 pounds when I was 24. I was a skinny little guy. And uh man, I did not like that. I don't
1: blame you. Fascinating, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I I shared my story too with that guy at Albertsons when he asked me to carry his groceries out, out <laughs> yeah. to like the very back of the parking lot. And had a whole bunch of dogs in his car. Like he,
0: get in the flask.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's like he's like just one minute, just hang on. Yeah. And I'm like, nope, peace, and I ran. So, get on you know, cra- here. crazy times, but I, I I think Norman Bates gives off those vibes in this movie where you're just like, hmm. And Anthony Perkins did such a good job. I mean, it was such an interesting shot. But when uh, Arbogast was looking at the ledger and they showed that shot of him, you know, turning his head over and trying to look at it from a weird angle. I think that was to me. I'm like, man, this guy is he's a psycho (laughs) for lack of a better term. Yeah. So, Yeah, there we go. A million dollar question, Justin. Why is this movie a classic?
0: Well, I think that uh, it sort of turned audiences on their head man like it was something that they hadn't seen before it was uh, very risque you know i mean the beginning of the movie marion cranes and you know in her bra you know and and uh, in a hotel to to have the the sexo with this guy right and so everyone's like oh my and um and it was just things that people hadn't seen before this you mentioned this was the first time we got to see a toilet flush on camera that's fantastic at least in the united states and you know it has, it has a real plot twist right so like the person that you think is going to be the star of this movie just gets killed like 45 minutes into it and you're like what the fuck and that's huge yeah yeah it was huge and then even just her being in the shower right you know there's this there's this voyeur type of thing that's happening right so so we're watching her and i would imagine in 1960 this is probably uncomfortable like to see norman peeping through a hole to watch her and then the shot of the camera is is in the it's in the room it's in the the bathtub with her as she's showering so we see the door open and a figure being on the other side of that shower curtain that's pretty stressful right and then obviously the music happening and then and then just a bunch of death a lot of death for the next little bit and it was just one of those things where we hadn't seen stuff like that before the the water on the, the not hitting the camera that's fucking awesome and then yeah. Uh, the the detective Arbogast is that his name? When he's yeah. like falling down the steps and getting stabbed, that was really Ooh. weird. <laughs> yeah. It just looks weird today. Um, and then and then just the the twist, right? The 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 not M Night Shyamalan <laughs> twist, where where Norman is his mom. That's that's fucking weird. And so it just it kind of paved the way for you know the the horror genre. Like before, horror was just like you know. Tackle the fifty foot whatever, and you know creature the creature features, right? That's that's what horror was was creature features, and so the idea of this a normal person checking into a hotel or a motel, rather hotel motel Holiday Inn, and getting <laughs> fucking killed. I don't think so. That's when it starts to affect your everyday life. You're like, wait a minute, now this place looks a little shady. I don't think I'm gonna stay here. Yeah. And uh, and I think that it's movies like this that do that, and and whether or not uh you know, psycho is the the honest to goodness first slasher uh is is probably up for debate, but I would probably rank it as such. And so all of those things combined to one, the 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 cinematography, the 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 ideas that it implemented, like with the paranoia, the murder, um <laughs> and then and then just the faux pas of mental illness, right? Yeah. Um it was all very new. The the idea of this this person that is that is overtaken by another personality, that is something that very few people on this planet would ever understand. And so that's intriguing to a lot of folks. And we hadn't seen that really before.
1: And I think that when you were saying it was a it's argued to be the first slasher film, I mean, Hitchcock said he thought of it more as a voyeur film, like a voyeuristic. And that's why he used a 50 millimeter. Um, lens instead of a 35 millimeter and uh, it gave you a real definition and that viewpoint from like the naked eye Um, which
0: which i think which i could still argue as horror in that like even Mm -hmm. rear window with that same voyeur type thing where there's a possibility that you're going to get caught and caught for what because you're doing something wrong right and so uh, i do think that yeah you can call it a psychological thriller whatever but i think at the end of the day It's one of those ones where it's it got under people's skin. And so Mm -hmm. whether something's a psychological thriller or a horror movie, I don't know. Maybe that's that's another discussion.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, let's let's have that discussion now. We're going to jump to number nine, actually, instead. We'll skip number eight for right now. We'll come back to it. But number nine. So in my opinion, I did not think that the movie was very scary necessarily. However, I understand how that in 1960 it was. I really enjoyed the movie. Don't get me wrong. But. I wasn't like terrified by it. I wasn't going to bed like the, you know, the 15% of the voters or whatever that said that scary movies scare them or 20%. Um, But what about now? Can a categorized horror film, because this is labeled as a horror film, can it ever be downgraded to maybe a thriller or even a drama? Or is that really unfair to the genre? How is
0: psycho scary? Well, I guess we have to define what is a horror movie, right? So what is your, what is Zach's definition of a horror movie? I mean, it's
1: hard to really narrow down, and I know that's such a, a shitty answer, but I think it all comes down to the subjectivity of of the film. And if it's something that involves a murder, I would say that that's probably a paramount thing in any horror film. I don't know if I can think of any horror films that don't have a murder in it, but death is one of the scariest things and one of the paramount centerpieces to a horror film. Um, and it has to involve some sense of anxiety or something that gives you a an adrenaline rush or uh, a perceived threat right like there's mm-hmm. some sort of threat for you and that uh you need to escape it by any means necessary i know that's really vague and that could be any type of movie but i think that i think the death has to come into play it doesn't necessarily need to be gory but there does have to be some some sort of blood involved in it. Uh, and it does have to give me a heightened sense to where when I turn it off, I'm like checking over my shoulder and I'm like, what was that sound in right.
0: middle of the like, night? Do I really have to take out the garbage in the dark right now? <laughs> yeah, I exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because I,
1: I, I hear Freddie's, uh, you know, nails on a or Freddie's blades on a dumpster out there, so I'm not taking that out. But mm-hmm. it has to give you a heightened sense and it has to stick with you. Um, I've seen thrillers that have made me a little Kind of, you know, like what lies beneath. Some people have classified it as horror, or on Netflix, let's say it'll be classified as a horror or whatever movies like that. Um, I'm just kind of like, nah, th- those are thrillers to me. Um, that Johnny Depp movie that he did, um, Edward Scissorhands. No, it was called something Windows, Secret Window, or something like that. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that movie. Some people classified as a horror, and I don't think that that's it at all. There's death in it, but it is that one's not scary for me. I think it has to be a bigger perceived threat. But at the same time, it's, it's subjective to each person, if that kind of makes any
0: sense. I think so, because there was one movie where you were arguing that it was a horror movie that we did. I don't remember what it was. It could have been like <laughs> Pan's Labyrinth or something. But we yeah. were arguing about whether something was a horror movie. And I didn't think it was. And you did. And someone had died. So death definitely has is a factor for you in labeling something as a horror movie.
1: I could see Pan's Labyrinth uh, being a horror film. And that might be it, because I would probably classify it as that. It has pretty disturbing imagery where it really stuck with me. And, uh, you know, the the hand monster guy with the eyes on the hand, the Mitch McConnell character. Holy (laughs) shit, dude. He is. Yeah, that's like things like talk about nightmare fuel. Yeah, that is something that. When I saw that for the first time, like after we did the podcast, I was like, Oh my goodness. I did not like that at all. It was, it was one of those movies that was fantastical. And so that's how I thought of it as a horror film. But I mean, I could be completely wrong as well. Someone else could be like, Oh, I can eat a whole steak dinner while watching this.
0: Right. Well, I think so for me, I always think it's interesting when, you know, I'm, I'm scrolling through Netflix and they categorize something as a comedy when, I'm like, ah. yeah, but it's not like it's supposed to be a comedy and it's just not funny, but it'll be a movie that's genuinely not a comedy. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, oh, yeah. that's kind of weird. So, you know, the miscategorization can happen. But I, I think that it's fair to have Thriller be with horror, because if it is subjective, I think an extreme viewer and an opinion could lean more towards horror. And I don't think there's anything wrong with calling Psycho a horror movie. Uh, yeah. Or a psycho- to me, a psychological thriller and a horror are are one and the same. I feel like it's a subgenre to horror.
1: That's fair enough. I agree with you, and it, def- I, it definitely
0: is a subgenre to horror. So, so yeah. I I don't think I, I do. I so I do believe when I was eighteen, and uh, I don't remember what Marion's sister's name is. Lila. Uh, Lila. Okay, when she's sees when she's snooping around the house. I was genuinely concerned. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, I don't like how this is going. They've already killed off that one lady. Who's going to stop her from killing her again? See, and uh, and then when she goes in the basement, and then you know Norman jumps down it ends pretty quickly. There isn't like a, an honest to goodness fight or anything. He just puts like the Vulcan neck pinch on him and knocks him out. (laughs) And um, that's all there is to it. But I remember being like, Oh my God, fuck this movie. It's crazy. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, that goes back to the whole voyeur side of things where you're doing something. You're not supposed to be there. You know, they were breaking and entering. They were, they were snooping around this house and just the, the adrenaline that would be pumping through your body waiting to get caught, is just insane. And I remember one time sneaking into somebody's house and I don't know <laughs> if I told the story on the podcast, but I snuck through their doggy door and I was gonna scare my friend <laughs> Kim Kim. And uh she was always home alone till like six o'clock at night or something. You know, we we get out of school and then we just go play at each other's house kind of thing. And I snuck through her doggy door and I'm in her house and there's like no one there. I'm like, where the fuck? Where is she? <laughs> and uh and then I sneak past the room before hers, which is sort of like an office. And her dad's in there on, on on the computer. And he doesn't see me. But he's like a truck driver. So he's like a big, serious dude. And so I back out really fast. And then I, I go out the front door. And I just run as fast as I can. And holy shit, I was so scared. And, and it was just going to be a joke. But I mean, he had every right to just like shoot an intruder in his house. And I just remember being so fucking scared. But I just was kind of like, like, uh, when Ace Ventura is sneaking <laughs> <Yeah>. around, like, <laughs> the mansion or whatever, I'm totally in that vibe, like, oh, this is going to be so awesome, i going to the shit out of her, and whew, that was an all-time backfire. It was, I, just a, I, it was just a
1: goof. Yeah,
0: pills are good, pills <laughs> are good. Yeah, I was literally going in, I had the biggest dumb fuck smile on my face, I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to scare the shit out of this girl. And uh, nope, shame on me, man, it Jeez. did not happen you gotta be oh. careful, man. No more doggy uh, doors for you. I know, I know, I know. I mean, I was, I was like, oh, I must have been like eleven. You know, we were watching like SummerSlam and fucking nice. WrestleMania together, all that stuff, and so it was just, it was just one of those things. We, I mean, we played together every single day after school, and then I just got this brilliant idea to sneak through a doggy door. <laughs> so stupid. You had a lot of near death experiences. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I made it. <laughs> I don't know what he would have done. I mean. It might have scared him just someone being in the house, but yeah. uh it helps that I probably weighed like ninety pounds and I was a little bit a kid, but yeah, I don't know true. that could have been that could've been bad if you do that now, yeah, you probably got shot, yeah, <laughs> crazy so uh i I do think that it's okay to call this movie a horror movie, well, even though it's not technically scary per se uh I do think it 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 contains enough elements to be a horror movie. And it might as well even be, you know, the the birth of the slasher film.
1: I agree. Well, and so when you think of Psycho or when most people think of Psycho, even if they haven't seen it, uh, they have watched or seen parts of the famous shower murder scene. Where does the shower death rank for you in iconic film deaths? They don't have to be horror films, but iconic film deaths. And then additionally, what are some of your most memorable?
0: Sure. So I think that it's, it's pretty memorable, you know, and it, and it should rank pretty high because that was kind of a first for a lot of people. Uh, so I just think on like originality and, and on that factor alone and the, and the music and the ying 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 and so many pop culture references that it should probably be in like a top five, you know? Uh, I don't know where I would put it. It's hard to, to put a number on something like that, but I do think it's, it's the, the pioneer aspect of it alone should rank it pretty, pretty high on the list. Uh, but as far as like other memorable stuff, uh, back to Robocop, uh, you know, fucking ed to a nine kill, Mr. Kenny, uh, Murphy getting all shot up. The toxic, your buddy, the toxic waste guy, Emil, <laughs> that was hardcore. Emil. The opening to scream is yeah. probably one of my favorite openings in, in the history of a horror film. Uh, my goodness, that was insane. And how her parents are walking up to the house and she's can't scream for help because her her throat was just like crushed. Mm. Oh my God. And then their parents hear her getting killed on the phone. Whew! that is, mm. that's a lot to take in. I don't like that. Um, and then, you know, back to, back to West Craven, like with, with Tina getting murdered in Nightmare on Elm Street. That's another one where she's like the, the focus of the movie for the first little bit, right? Not, mm-hmm. not 45 minutes, but enough uh, to make a, you really care for her. Yeah, yeah. She's in it for a spell. Right. And so, that was brutal to see her just crawling on the wall and getting s- cut up. I didn't I didn't like that at all. And then even Philip in in uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Three Dream Warriors with the mm-hmm. with the tendons and the marionette. I I yeah. hate that. That <laughs> that grosses me out to just my core. I hate it so much. Um, Angela Carson, who was played by uh, Amy Smart in that movie Mirrors, where she rips her jaw off. I hate that. I, <laughs> yeah, that's another one that grosses me out. And then more along like the sad lines, just sort of ones that struck a, a chord with me would be like bing bong from inside out with a little elephant just being left behind. That was really sad. Uh, the Brachiosaurus and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom when the, the lava, the, the island is erupting and the dinosaur doesn't make it to the boat. And that was, you know, it's basically the same dino that, that brought the magic to life in in the first Jurassic Park, with the music's crescendoing and the, and it's raising up to eat some some leaves or something, then it crashes down and the music's playing and you're like, oh my god, they got real dinosaurs in this movie, it's incredible. <laughs> and then to see it not make the boat and sort of its silhouette in the smoke, the hazy smoke and and it die, made me hate the movie. It, lit- <laughs> it literally just just shut me down. And I had zero interest in how this movie was going to end. And there was still like an hour left. And I was literally mentally checked out because it had such an impact on me, Zach. And then I would say uh, Boromir's death in uh, Lord of the Rings and the fellowship when the sounds kind of really low. And then you just hear the arrows just piercing his body. You know, he has this moment of redemption. There's like 50,000 orcs. that's just like just sprung all about the ground, right? He just went to town and murdered all these orcs defending, uh, Mary and Pip. And I thought that was so cool. And then that asshole with the bow and arrow, (laughs) we brought a a bow and arrow to a, to a knife fight. And that is just not fair. And those, and how big they were and just the, the sound, the piercing sound and the, and the surround sound in the theater. Just, it made me so sad. It was devastating. And Mm -hmm. I, I did not like that at all. Zach my brother my captain my king
1: oh so sad i agree yes, I, I like your list it makes me it makes me
0: it makes me cry on the inside mm-hmm. and, and you know mention you mentioned jaws prior to just recording mm-hmm. and that opening that uh that's one that that really made me not want to go in the ocean ever again <laughs> especially, especially at night you,
1: yeah night. yeah and i talked about it for being a shocking moment you don't see the shark Bruce, uh, the entire film (laughs) was your stupid stack. Don't bring me down, (laughs) Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, Uh, That's where that song comes from. I know, but don't bring me down.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You don't see Bruce throughout the entire film, right? You just see a fin, you just see amazing camera work from underwater. And so, with the final reveal, when they show the shark, when you know, um, Brody's throwing out the chum, and it's just so shocking, like holy shit! Uh, but yeah, that that opening kill, and then also uh, the the final kill when, or not the final kill, but the kill when uh, the old man. What's his, I always feel so bad with names when Quint gets uh, eaten on the boat. Like that's hardcore. So I think there's a lot of iconic deaths like that in, in films, and I, I enjoy your list a lot too. What's in the box? Seven. That's another one too. That you're like, what is in the box?
0: Yeah, <laughs> so, I wouldn't open
1: it. I don't know. Huh? I've should I should have a little boxes. crank. Yeah, should I've have a crank,
0: and then her head pop
1: out. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Dun, dun,
0: dun, 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 dun. Yep. Yeah. It's a good list man I like it
1: I mean it's not good murder is not good but at right. the same time yeah they're memorable deaths
0: exactly they're not my favorite deaths just ones that had an impact <laughs> on me Get like
1: gas truck. oh yeah that's a good one <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah any kind of burning like when we were we, when we did the hills have eyes you know and the dad's being hung strung up on like the the pole and 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 he's lit on fire and you just hear him screaming and it's crackling hate it hate <laughs> yeah. it
1: We got a fire in here. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) Oh, man. I almost watched that again. I saw it like on HBO and I'm like, I "I saw it too. I can't. I can't can't either.
1: (laughs) No, it's too much. Too much, man. So one of the brilliant things that the the movie does for the first third of the film is to establish an overwhelming sense of paranoia as Marion is on the run. Can you think of a time you were overly paranoid? What happened?
0: You know, I don't. I don't think I've ever really been paranoid i've been shook a couple times i got pulled over one time and this police man was just giving me a hard time and i had to i clearly wasn't drinking or drunk and he made me do like the sobriety test and uh i i hated every second of it like I, i was just waiting for this guy to just arrest me just to get it over with i felt so bullied and i was a kid i was like 18 and it just it made me really resent police officers and <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just weird that you know you see someone that's there to to protect and to serve, but when they're behind you on the on the road, you're like, oh my god, what did I do wrong? Are they going to pull yeah. me over? Like, why they're am like a I rocket scared? launcher in my car? <laughs> right. I should be. I mean, when you're a kid and they say something's wrong, you know, go to an adult, right, or go talk to a police officer, a fireman, or something. And you would think a police officer would be someone that you could could run to and like they'd be a hero. Like mm-hmm. I, I I shouldn't have this this fear that that uh you know I'm I'm breaking any laws or anything like that. But I literally am immediately scared when I see a police officer. I'm Mm -hmm. like, what is this person going to do? And it's it's still bothers me to this day. Anytime I see a cop car, I'm like, oh fuck. Don't pull me over. Don't pull me over. Don't pull me (laughs) over. Don't pull me over.
1: So I get that. And I, I get a sense of paranoia. Or when you're going somewhere and it's kind of uh You know, it's longer than five or longer than 10 or 15 minutes that someone's following you and you're not on the freeway. You're kind of like, hmm, this is weird. So I'm always checking my mirrors. Yeah, but anytime driving, just like Marion, absolutely. Uh, And if there's one thing movies have taught me when you drive, it's always (laughs) someone's tailing you, right? Right. So, yeah, I I, I agree. And this one takes it to that own degree where the cop follows her all the way to the car dealership and he makes his presence very known by just standing outside of the cop car and staring at her. So I can see that she didn't handle it very well. She's just like, "I'll take whatever car. Here's money." And yeah. <laughs> it was very much like uh I mean, you you you're creating a reason for him to to question you. Um but that was a in- interesting moment in the film, for sure.
0: Right. And I think that he could have he was playing up the creep factor. He could have taken his sunglasses off. He could have taken his right. hat off and and tried to have a human moment with this person. But instead, he chose to be the intimidating police officer, you know, tapping on her glass, saying, wait a minute, you know, where are you going? (laughs) Yeah. You know, he he could have approached that very differently. Yeah, I I agree completely. And
1: but I think that's what's honestly my favorite thing about the film is is the sense of paranoia that you get. And it all starts when she sees her boss at the crosswalk after she's done something bad. She's stolen this money And what are the chances that her freaking boss is walking across the crosswalk and he does a double take and she's Mm -hmm. like, oh, shit, you know, Mm -hmm. because she said she had like a headache. She's going to go rest. And now she's out to go party. And she took the money and ran like the Eagles. So, yeah. like the Steve Miller band, I should say. There you go. But it was uh, very... That was my favorite thing about this movie is the paranoia that, that was built up and it carried over to when you meet Norman and just how fumbling he is. He seems charming, but then he starts kind of slipping, especially with his stutter. And he says things and acts a little odd, like not wanting to go into a room and just feels weird. I, there are certain, you know... Uh, my spidey sense was tingling for me, and I'm like, nope, that's uh that's gonna be a no for me, dog. So, right. Yeah. So, finally, Justin, I want to ask you this: What was the deal with all of the birds? He had a bunch of stuffed birds. There were pictures of birds. I mean, Hitchcock did a movie called The Birds. <laughs> yeah, that was a couple <laughs> years later, though. <laughs> I know. Yeah. What, what what was the deal with the birds? I don't know if I have an answer, but I watched a video breakdown on a possibility, which might be a little far fetched. But go ahead. Oh,
0: I don't know. I I think. So I think taxidermy is weird, man. And I think that if you do it, you you have something off about you. I think that there is some sort of weird like chemical imbalance in your brain. If you think taxidermy is fucking cool. <laughs> <So> that's just <laughs> where I stand. Uh, my dad, he's all into taxidermy and he was a hunter. And so, you know, he would have like deer heads and boar heads and just weird shit. And I hate every second of it and it's, we we had what was called like a room of death and i'm like dad you gotta you can't have you can't have these you can't have going around putting heads on the walls. is not right and um and so i i don't like it i think it's creepy i think it's weird and for me just seeing that he has the hobby of taxidermy and he thinks it's a beautiful thing to me that tells me that he's just a weird dude and that he looks at life differently right so I I don't know why it's only birds and not other creatures in the animal kingdom. Uh I don't know how hard it is to to be into taxidermy and and what parts are real and what parts are fake and what is involved. I don't know if it's like embalming a person and then and then just putting a a plastic mold under their skin. I don't know how it works. <laughs> that's what I picture. Is like they 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 take everything out they, they peel off the parts that they want and they slap it over a naked mannequin. That's that's what I picture taxidermy to be. And I don't like it. I, I, think don't, like that, it. I don't like it either. <laughs> I think that is a level of serial killer. <laughs> I'm not a fan of it. Yeah. And so that's where I stand. And, and because Norman is a bit of a weirdo and he kills people, uh, it just to me, it's. Of course, he's into taxidermy. <laughs> <laughs> I have this checklist of things of what makes a serial yeah. killer or a creeper, and taxidermy's on that list. And i is that causation of... for this point? <laughs> yeah, and I am sorry if that offends you, but that's just—I I just chalk it up to to being a weirdo, man. Good thing I
1: took down all my mounted like animals in my right? in my second bedroom today.
0: Yeah, I just don't get it, man. I, yeah. I don't understand it. Never will. So the video that I watched, it basically discussed, and it was
1: an idea, it was from screen, screen at Prism, it was pretty smart, but they discussed how, you know, the term birds, like was an old, in uh, Bird. A, a colloquial term for women, like, oh, I'm going to go hang out with these birds, like a British term. So uh, this was um, presuming that basically... It's the birds were about the about women, how how Norman treated women, how he looked at women, how he looked at sexuality and stuff. He obviously had an affinity for his mother. He killed three women before three women total um, four and including his mom. But they provide him a sense of comfort. So when he's having that conversation with Mary and he's petting a turkey or he has his hand on a turkey, which is calming and he's filmed in a way to where it seems more welcoming. But then when he starts talking about his mother and about how he can't just leave her and then about her death, it gives you a really, um, low angle shot with the owl in the background. And it's kind of this, it's in full wingspan and it looks very like daunting and menacing. And then, uh, we see Marion too, with a Raven behind her, almost like it's pecking at her neck, uh, continued. We see the bird artwork in the rooms. Um, and I think this is just basically saying along with, with Hitchcock, because I think, I mean, I think Hitchcock does everything on purpose. He doesn't do it for just for, for a reason. Right. Right. But the, the shot right before Norman, uh, uh, Peeks on on Marion in the shower He contemplates he turns to face of camera and he contemplates what he's trying To do and and down below him you see the turkey that he pet for comfort And then you see the menacing owl right above him and he's right in between contemplating What he should be doing and then he decides to open it up and look at her So I think I think if that's true that's very interesting it might be a stretch And a little more far-fetched but I mean, I, I think that Hitchcock does a lot of this on purpose and it, it could be alluding with the taxidermy. It could be alluding to how he cared for his mother, how he was able to take care of her for so long and treat her body. But I just thought that, that was something fun to, to to discuss.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, it, may, I, I, it makes sense at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and so I'll 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 believe it. <laughs> there you go. I just think it's a creeper. <laughs> yeah, I agree
1: completely. Well, Justin, that is all I have to say about Psycho. What are your
0: final thoughts in letter grade? Yeah, this is uh, it's a good movie. You should go see it, and uh, <laughs> I I like it a lot. I, I give this movie an A. I think it's fantastic. There's there's a lot to be discussed and and enjoyed with this movie. Um, and I I would have loved to have seen this in the theater in 1960. I think that would have been a really unique and fun experience. And uh, you know, it's one of those movies where. You know, spoiler alert. You can't talk to anybody about this movie. In 1960, if you saw this movie, you would be that asshole saying, <laughs> oh, my God, can you believe Norman's his mom? That's weird. Yeah. And that, that would ruin somebody's experience. Right? I agree. Absolutely. So, uh, I think that's pretty pretty cool. Good thing social media did not exist in 1960. <laughs> there you go. Would so ruined uh, what- it. Twitter would have ruined Psycho. What's
1: your uh, what's your letter grade then? Oh, I said an A. I'm sorry. Oh, an A. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I I agree. I'm I'm there with you. It's an A for me. Uh, I I also wish that I could see this movie. I could have seen this movie in the 60s when it first came out because I think the shock and awe, the whole pomp and circumstance of watching it with them announcing, uh, you know, playing music and announcing that it's going to start in 10 minutes, five minutes, three minutes, all that kind of stuff would be awesome. The crazy trailer that Hitchcock gives. I think everything that encompasses it and then everything that has come after it, it just makes it a timeless classic. So yeah, this movie is is phenomenal to me. I'm very glad we watched it. So it's definitely an A. Um, There's an excellent video that I sent to you uh, that I don't know if you had a chance to watch it or not, but um, it's called Understanding Psycho the Uncanny. And it kind of just discusses, it breaks down uh, some amazing shots in the film that like the duality between Norman Bates and Marion Crane that I think is so thought provoking. And I was well, I had to pause it because I was like, huh, wow, I didn't even think about that. So if anybody checks it out yeah, that I would highly recommend to, to watch it. But yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Are we good to go? I think so. Hell yeah! Well, thank you so much for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at dbcrazypod, at edgyarmo, and at zachdale60. There, you can share your thoughts with us. Uh, you can do the fun polls that Justin puts up. Uh, you should all buy digital. Digital's the way to go, man. And uh, you can share thoughts and share suggestions suggestions for movies, and we will discuss them on the show. We will take those under consideration. Just make sure that those movies are streaming. And available because we are cheap bastards. Uh, Make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Additionally, we are also available on every other major podcast app. Just please don't be crazy. Thank you for listening.
0: Thank you so much.